Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. What's going on? Hola, shalom. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I said shalom because it's like a greeting. Is it? In yeah. Hebrew. Yes, it is. And today's episode is <laughs> about religion. Okay, very good. Very and I good. I was raised Jewish. <laughs> I like where you're going. <laughs> Sarah's looking at me like, what was that? Like my little joke for the I like it. I like it. I like it. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We already kind of told you that today's episode is about religion in the relationship. And Sarah and I talk a little bit about our backgrounds and where we are in our relationship in regards to religion. And it's an important conversation to have with your partner if you're with them and haven't talked about it a lot, certainly if you have kids, we dive into that with uh, Stephen Ng, who is back on for the trifecta, yeah. his third time on. And Stephen is a marriage and family therapist specializing in men's issues and has been practicing for over 30 years. So he is a great guest. We always enjoy having him on. And it was a pretty cool conversation because as Stephen says, he's religious. Sarah and I are not. And uh, we... Talk about that from those different perspectives and and how it fits into the relationship. So we would love to hear what you guys are experiencing in your relationships and, and if you're atheist or if you're fundamentalist Catholic, is that what, what, what would you call hardcore Catholic? Not fundamentalist. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think just Catholic. Yeah. Catholic. Okay. <laughs> but check out our Facebook group, uh, Love Tribe. Yes. On uh, Facebook and join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the show. 
Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Stephen. Welcome back to the show. I think we can actually call you a, a regular now that you've been on the show for three times. Well, thanks, Sarah. It's good to be back. I, I love doing these because it's just so important for people to think about things like this because usually when it's about love and romance we kind of leave our brains checked at the door and i love having these conversations where we can kind of think through some problems there is so much to dive into across a wide range of topics that's why you know we're over 200 episodes now and we're gonna hopefully get to 400 and double that 800 and and I'm sure there'll be still things <laughs> to talk about. And today's uh, topic is one that we have not dedicated a whole show to. So we're excited to dive in. And that is the subject of religion in the relationship. So why don't we start off with talking about the main conflict that might arise in relationship around religion that that you think that you maybe deal with in your clients or that you are seeing? Well, you know, I, I've learned to start these conversations with, with a little bit of a disclaimer or or kind of a caution, because I think we can, and I think we can agree on that, that before we get started talking too deeply about the subject of religion and marriage, uh, just to acknowledge that we're likely to stir up some feelings on the part of some listeners, and that for some people, this is exquisitely painful. And uh, we're not bringing it up to cause pain, uh, but just to try to work through it and understand it better. And I specifically, not that you and Sarah are likely to ever say anything, um, but I'm likely to say some things that that may anger or upset people, even though I think what I have to say is true. I, I I don't say any of these things that I think are true in a cavalier fashion. I'm very, very aware that uh, we're talking about real people in their lives. And sometimes this is very, very painful. I think that's important groundwork to lay down. And yeah, we're not here to push an agenda, but just to put facts out and, and help people navigate this topic, no matter what their background is. Some people are going to be coming from a, an intensely religious background, and some people listening are atheists. And right. there's a lot of, right. and then everywhere in between, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of nuance. And, and then when you add another person, <laughs> it's enough just dealing with that these questions for ourselves, but you add another person and, and that's where things get dynamic. Yeah. It reminds me of one of those um, acts on stage where the guy has all the plates on the poles and he's spinning all these plates at the same time. And along with sexuality and raising children and finances, it's like one more plate up in the air. 
one more thing to solve and figure out. And I, I really like these conversations, even between couples, I mean, because I think ultimately they make us smarter and they help us to figure some things out and help us to grow as human beings. But before I dive into too much of the therapy talk, if it's okay with you two, I think it's just important to note that, you know, looking at marriage and religion, society around us is evolving under our feet and things are changing quickly. That that fact may be upsetting to some, but it is a fact. And I, I was listening to a, a, um, a podcast the other day about Fiddler on the Roof. And if you remember that, it came out in 1964. No, you don't remember that. You don't remember when it came out. You two are way too young. But I do. I was 10 years old. And it was just lovely. You know, when the movie came out, it was just amazing. And, and it, was, it was gorgeous. And it was inspiring. But if you remember the central drama at the end, I mean, it was always about faith getting stretched. And Tevya, the main character of the father, he, he has a hard time with his daughters wanting to marry for love. And the last one, she wants to marry outside the faith. And that is the straw that broke the camel's back in the, in the story. And he just, you know, he, he sends her away and without his blessing. And she's no longer part of the family and she's shunned. And that's, that's uh, not that long ago. But in 1967... Guess Who's Coming to Dinner came out with Sidney Poitier and Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. And what, they, and, and what they were talking about is racial intermarriage, not ethnic intermarriage or religious intermarriage, but that racial prohibition was really grounded in American religion. So it was, you know, based on Bible precepts, uh, quotes that people had taken out of context, and they uh, enforced that but through law. And then 1972, we've got Bridget Loves Bernie, and that was the number five rated TV show on, C on any network. It was on CBS, and it was sandwiched right after uh, uh, All in the Family, and, uh, and then following it was uh, Mary Tyler Moore show, and it was canceled after one season, even though it was funny and intelligent, very witty. It was canceled because of the outrage and the controversy regarding the intermarriage of a Jewish man with a Catholic woman. So nowadays, you look, I mean, that seems, all those stories seem rather archaic because nowadays in my office, uh, I've counseled thousands of families over the years, and certainly religion comes up. But it doesn't come up in that same way. It doesn't come up with a uh, a prohibition that, well, from the get-go, we Catholics can't marry outside of our faith, or we Jews, we can't marry outside of our faith. Um, people, you know, the younger generation, millennials, and people even a bit older than millennials, just don't have this on their radar when they first get married. And so... Honestly, so far, in my experience, I would say people who, for whom it is a problem, they they go on websites like JDate, where they only are dating Jews, if that's what they want to do, and people qualify partners before they marry them, if it's a big deal then. But where I see it coming up, and, and I don't know what you guys have heard with your ear to the ground, but where I see it coming up is 
after the marriage. And then what kind of problems are arising? We're not, Sarah and I are not religious. Sarah was, was raised Catholic and I was raised Jewish and, and I, uh, in Judaism and, and <laughs> I was bar mitzvah and everything. So my family was pretty conservative. Sarah's was, was pretty, uh, religious, but individually we were pretty agnostic and it it wasn't really ever a thing. Maybe, I, I mean, my grandma definitely on the Jewish <laughs> side was like, before I met Sarah was, uh, you know, find a nice Jewish girl, this and that. I'm like, yeah, whatever, grandma. And then of course she met Sarah and it, none of that mattered because she was, you know, in love with her and, and her personality. And, and yeah, it seems like those days are not behind us, but it, it's certainly not what it was 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago where, you know, it's a much different conversation. So it is, great to see because I, that shouldn't be, in my opinion, a, a qualifier for someone is their religion. But it, it's definitely tied into values. And if it is really important to you individually, then you better make sure you're communicating that with your partner or examining that for yourself and why you feel the way you do. And, and if you can't make a compromise about religion, because Again, in my opinion, someone could be an atheist and they're a great person and ethical and it's not contingent on them following the words written down in a book. So that's just, uh, I guess, my view on it. And I think Sarah's nodding. So uh, hers as well. So what are you seeing on, on the Looking ground? for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> well, I, I'm listening to you guys and you are... Uh, Bridget and Bernie, it's quite an interesting story to hear. Um, <laughs> I, kn- I didn't I, know about that wife, show. No, <laughs> oh, you need back. to watch it. It's available. You know, it's it's a great program. But um, I I think there's some science or at least reason and logic behind what you're saying in that, as, you know, if marriage is a strategic alliance between two people who come together to face life's challenges together and by pooling their resources to overcome those challenges and raising children and acquiring wealth and, you know, achieving their personal goals. Then I think most of us have decided that religion is irrelevant to that. And I think there's some reason and logic behind that observation because even couples who I've met who have you know, as near identical religious backgrounds as possible, their identicality does not make for intimacy. I mean, merely being the same doesn't create intimacy. In fact, it's sort of a, if you think about it, it, it creates a bit of a, uh, a lack of opportunity to develop intimacy, which intimacy is, you know, sharing our lives safely with each other. And when I marry a woman who's like a little religious mini-me, uh, I don't really have to stretch too much uh, because basically I'm loving myself. It's pretty narcissistic in a way. And, and I'm not against couples who do marry within their faith. I, I think that that can be perfectly wonderful. And I've seen many happy couples who do that. But the ability to tolerate our differences, that's really to me where 
we start stretching and learning to be bigger people, you know, wiser people, and learning to love more deeply and accepting those differences. So typically, I think in this modern era, what, what we're going to see is people having problems after they get married. And, the, and it's, usually be, it's usually because one of them has become a convert or with the addition of children in the marriage, one of them has kind of evolved to a place where, okay, that didn't matter back then when we were childless. But now that we're raising the children, they simply have to go to, and then they fill in the blank. They have to go to the synagogue every Saturday, or they have to go to Catholic school, or they have to be raised as Mormons, or they have to be, you know, the children sometimes create a crisis, not not that they create it, but just their their appearance on the scene creates a lot of stress for some families. So how would a couple navigate those issues where one person now wants to start practicing or repracticing a faith and the other uh, partner in the relationship doesn't? Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's the difficult thing, Sarah, isn't it? I mean, because I wish, I wish I could say there was one answer that fits everybody in every situation, but there isn't, right? Because Frankly, and I speak as a recovering control freak, some of us are control freaks. So um, what we want is what we want, and we really can't tolerate anything other than what we want. But to them, um, I would say really that, you know, for those of us who are religious, faith is a gift from God. People can't gin up faith you know, out of nothing, ex nihilo, as the Latin say. I can't gin it up out of nothing um, and make myself believe something I've never believed in my life. So if I don't have faith, that's not on me. That's, that's not up to me to decide. That's really on God. So if my partner has a problem with my not believing as she does, um, she needs to seek help from her higher power and ask God to persuade me, guide me, influence me, somehow work in my life in such a way. But even that, okay, so that's one one thing. Control freaks need to accept that, number one, identicality is not intimacy, does not make for a good marriage by itself. It's just a coincidence, like we're both blonde. It doesn't have anything to do with a quality marriage. Um, but but to know that it's a control issue sometimes helps my clients to take a deep breath and then let go and, and to just accept the situation being what it is. And ironically, as any of the people who are anti-assimilation will tell you, it's the very act of acceptance and no longer trying to control the other person that is often liberating to the point where they feel free to examine the faith and maybe even flirt with the idea of getting to know it better and to perhaps even become believers. But once I make it into a control issue, then, you know, my mate has to really give up her identity in order to please me. And, and that's not real faith, is it? These are great points and kind of not what you would think about initially when 
discussing this because it's like, oh, let's talk about religion in the relationship, but we're not talking about religion. We're talking about the control issue and giving up that control and the uh, identicality, like you said, in keeping these things in mind. And obviously, we need to know ourselves and know, like we talk a lot about on the show, like what our values are. And if your partner is aligning in your values, but they don't happen to want to go to church with you, then you need to think about that and then have a discussion around that. And that might be your own thing is church and your partner doesn't want to. But rather than getting resentful and not talking about it, which I imagine, you know, that's a scenario, then there's there's no winners there. And like a lot of things we talk about, opening up that communication and moving forward from a place that you're on the same side, that you're using I statements, and then you can learn from your partner from both sides because that's more interesting rather than dating or marrying yourself who <laughs> the person agrees with everything you do. And and certainly there's nothing wrong with that, but it's nice to be challenged on your ideas. Maybe you're raised in a super fundamentalist household and, and you don't even realize that there's a whole world out there that you don't have to do things exactly the way that that you were raised to do. And, and that's why relationships are so beautiful because we learn new things about ourselves. We're exposed to new ideas. We're challenged. Um, that's the way we should want to go through life, not having yes men and yes women all around you just telling you how great you are and, and everything is the same as it's always been. Right. I, I, I That's exactly how it's been for me in my own journey. I, I'm one of those fundament, recovering fundamentalists who was raised in a really rigid church environment. And I used to think that we had to marry within our faiths. And I did that. And it was my first marriage. And, and it was horrible. Uh, because truly, as younger people have discovered, it's really irrelevant to the quality of marriage. What is relevant is our capacity for love and acceptance, for tolerance, and for human dignity. And so I, you know, my wife and I now, we have different faiths, but we have far more intimacy in my second marriage than I did in my first marriage. And I think I've grown to the place where, you know, you were talking earlier about how <clears throat> some of our listeners are atheists. And I think it would be really easy for me to, if I fell in love with a woman who was an atheist, it would be really easy for me to appreciate her spirituality um, as a as a believer because, and oh yeah, this is another big point, right? Because religion doesn't have a patent on spirituality. Religion is a subset of spirituality. Uh, our spirituality does start with our values. So we have these values that help define us. We have some answers to questions like, how then should we live? Um, what is the meaning of life? Why, why am I here? What is my purpose? Um, how am I to interact with others? What is the meaning of love? Those are all spiritual questions that all human beings are interested in. 
and religion doesn't have any kind of exclusive rights on those subjects. So for me, whether I was with a Muslim or a Buddhist or any other religion, if I fell in love with her, there was enough there for me to see her for the wonderful person she is. I think listening to her talk about her own spirituality would be something that I could enjoy. And so in therapy, a lot of times what I'll do is, you know, when there's a conflict over this religious stuff, I'll just ask the person who's most upset about it, what is it you like about your mate? What is it that made you fall in love with them? What is it that you treasure and value in your relationship? And when we when we get past some of the control issues, they realize, oh, at the end of the day, I still have this amazing partner who is not only lovable, but who's really devoted to me, who really has my back, who's really committed to our marriage. And that's why we're even in counseling or we're even having these conversations. They haven't walked off the field because, well, they're a no good believer (laughs) or they're an outsider of my faith. And I, I just think increasingly this this move towards religion. And for me, it's sad because I am a religious person, but religion has really been suffering some brand degradation and become increasingly irrelevant. You know, there was a news story a couple of months ago about how now the number of Wiccans in the United States has eclipsed the number of Presbyterians. There are more Wiccans than there are Presbyterians in the United States. And if you had told me that back in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, or even the 90s, I would have said, no way. <laughs> but that's how, it, that's how it is right now. Well, so I'm just curious. So let's say a couple moves past their individual differences of having different faiths, and they work that out. But then right. here comes kids. And... Right. Maybe one person in the relationship is okay with their partner being a different religion, but they're very, they feel very strong about the kids being raised a certain religion. How does that dialogue work with your partner to work out, I guess, a compromise if there even is one? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship. We started I Do Podcast to get information to improve our own relationship. We thought at the very least we'll be able to do that and then to share it with our listeners. The guests are great and we've gotten a ton of valuable information, but we found that if we don't actually deliberately take the time to implement the strategies and tools that our guests give us, we weren't seeing the real lasting benefits that we desired in our relationship. And that's why we created the Spark My Relationship course. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a comprehensive relationship course that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to execute it. By enrolling in the online course, you'll have access to the same strategies and tools that marriage therapists teach their clients, including therapist-taught video lessons with workbooks and exercises to help you work towards accomplishing your relationship goals in less than 90 days. 
You'll also learn how to detox unhelpful relationship habits and learn healthy ways to interact. You'll learn how to disagree respectfully and communicate mindfully, as well as how to improve intimacy and reignite your sex life and so much more. Spark My Relationship isn't just a course for struggling couples. It's a course for couples who want to see their relationship flourish. If this is you, then you are a perfect fit for the course. So for a special offer for our ID podcast listeners, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Again, for 30% off the course, plus special bonuses just for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Well, you know, people do come up with a couple of compromises. And one is, of course, uh, we're not going to do anything. We'll let the children decide when they're of age. Uh, I think that's a terrible option because I think that that option fosters a sort of religious illiteracy. And again, I'm not trying to offend anybody when I say that. And if that's your choice, so be it. Uh, but I think that's avoiding the conflict rather than resolving the conflict. And I think conflicts left unresolved do push us apart. Instead, I think the argument could be made uh, that the children could be raised in or attending uh, uh, services in one or both, and that's a conversation people could have. We could observe the holidays of one or, or both, and the parents need to decide what would be in the best interest of the children, not what would serve me the best, because I'm the control freak who's afraid of stepping over the lines. I don't want to color outside the lines. The lines are very important to me. Stay in your lane, damn it. Um, so what would be best for my children? And that is an intimate, personal decision people need to talk through. And I know families who've successfully decided on both sides. They celebrated all the Christian holidays, all the Jewish holidays. And the kids grew up knowing everything about everything. And I've known great families where the one parent, whether it was a, a whatever religion, doesn't really matter, but one parent had their their own thoughts and beliefs, but they really didn't care that much. It really wasn't that meaningful to them. And it mattered a great deal to the other parent. And the kids were really kind of open and excited about going to services or having holidays. And so they worked it out on on one religious uh, continuum. So again, there's no one size that fits all people. I think it's really important for people to remember to be adaptive because at the end of the day, our religion is here to serve us. We're not here to serve our religion. You know, if there is a God, and I do believe there is a God, if there is a God, um, he's, he's trying to reach out and be kind and helpful to us. He's not a guy with a lot of needs, you know, tossing and turning on some cloud, uh, bemoaning the fact that so-and-so doesn't believe in him and going on to have a miserable day of it. You know, if, if God is reaching out to us, then it's really for us. And so parents, you know, it's just like deciding on a school or deciding what kind of diet my child is going to have or what kind of sex education. Um, we, 
need to have conversations about religion and what's going to be the most helpful for our children. Does that make sense, Sarah? Yeah, it does. And and as you're saying all that, it it's for Chase and I, the decision to raise Stella how we are going to is is really we both agree. And I feel like the biggest struggle that we are going to have is not really with us and what we believe in, but with our our parents, so Stella's grandparents, because like Chase mentioned, <laughs> he, he was raised Catholic or Jewish and I was raised Catholic. And so in our household, we're not religious, but when we go and visit the grandparents, there is that element added in. And so I, that's kind of like a whole other conversation that we have to decide, Chase and I, how we're going to address it. And I don't even know what we're going to do yet about that. <laughs> Well, you know, this is, it's a relevant topic, but it's also something that probably does deserve its own deep dive, right? Because of laws and issues around lifestyle and beliefs. But I think just just to acknowledge, I think in-laws, obviously, they're the older generation. And I think that for a lot of them, religion was a comforting, soothing, familiar place. And when two whippersnappers like yourself decide to freeform it and go their own way, it's a little disorienting and frightening. And for some religious people who are, you know, like for a Jewish family, uh, it brings up great fears, I think, of assimilation and irrelevance. For a uh, fundamentalist family or even a fundamentalist Catholic family, it brings up concerns that you're going, your children or your grandchildren are going to burn in hell forever. And but really, I think it's really ultimately very personal. I think it's 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 really about how uncomfortable it makes the in-laws. And I go back to the idea of religious literacy. And there's a there is a book out there I think with that very same title, Handbook of Religious Literacy. And we should all know something about Buddhism. We should all know something about Judaism. I mean, it's just part of being an educated person to know a bit about religion and to know where people are coming from. It's about knowing culture and understanding people when you travel and understanding the world and why people politically make the decisions that they make. So, you know, one thing I would encourage a couple like yourselves is to orient your children to um, kind of like going to grandma and grandpa's as a bit of a... uh, uh, travel enriching experience that we get to go experience. Well, you know, what is it like for people to believe the way they do believe? And we get to practice our own tolerance and we get to try to understand them where they are. We don't need to change them. We don't need to contr- make it a control issue. Now, having said that, Sarah, I'm, I know that there are in-laws who sometimes cross the line and start you know, evangelizing or proselytizing our children and or guilt tripping them. And I, I think that sharing faith is one thing, but when you cross the line is when you start becoming controlling and not respecting a child's boundaries. So I don't think it's bad for for in-laws to share their faith in a, in a human way, um, especially if children or grandchildren ask questions. Like, why do you go to church? Or what do you like about going to uh, the synagogue services? And uh, what's a Seder? I think it's okay to answer those questions. But 
when we cross the line is when we start grinding on the, ch- the grandchildren and trying to get them to do something. And that's unfortunate because I, I think kids intuitively have a sense of what they like and they can tell their parents what they like. And if mom and dad feel comfortable visiting, you know, to a Seder service, for example, or going to a Christmas service at a given church just to observe a Christmas mass. I mean, that can be a really interesting experience and, and not scary. And it's, it's not like, I mean, you two have your own beliefs and you're somewhat agnostic, I guess, but that doesn't mean you're anti-religious or that you hate religion, right? More from a no, not that we yeah we we're both very respectful of religion, and I mean I personally would say I'm definitely atheist, but we're both very respectful mm-hmm. of the families and how we were raised and the religion in their household, and we are open to learning about other cultures and religions because I think that is a great way for Stella to grow up is to be educated and and learn all these different cultures. So. I, I really do. I love, I love what you're saying yeah. about just being open to learning and giving her those different experiences and then, you know, just seeing how it evolves. You know, I want to encourage you to, though, I haven't heard you say anything about this and I, I know I dropped a couple of remarks, Sarah, but I know that you being a pretty strong atheist, you too have a deep spirituality. You wouldn't even be doing what you're doing right now helping people understand marriage and love if you didn't have some pretty deep values. And I think finding a way to share your spirituality with your daughter, I think is really, it's beautiful because, you know, when there's a complete vacuum of spiritual conversation and a complete vacuum of conversation about values, children naturally want to figure things out because it's that you know, if you think about it, uh, logically, it's that meta conversation about life and the meaning of life. Children get to a point where they want to know. They want to know where things come from. Why am I here? What does it all mean? And if our answers are pretty rational and scientific, that's, that's fine because that's part of your value system that you value reason and the age of reason and the kind of knowledge that can be verified through experimentation and scientific study. And that's actually a very beautiful thing. It doesn't negate that you as a woman and a mother truly have a sense of wonder and awe at the beauty of nature or, you know, the lovely kinds of human interactions you have within your family. You know, so there's plenty of spirituality out there without religion. And I think that, it's important for atheists and agnostics to reclaim that 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 sacred ground because they it it doesn't belong to us religious folks it's for everyone absolutely and i think a couple overarching themes here but within the couple and then with kids like a lot of things we talk about having that open communication whether and then also with the in-laws like if sarah and i feel uncomfortable I mean, I won't hesitate to be like, hey, you know, you do it in a respectful way, but you say, hey, you know, Stella uh, doesn't need to be going to mass with you guys. Uh, 
or necessary or, or whatever it is. And I'm not, she's been to mass and she loves it. She loves the singing and stuff and she's three. And then going back to what you're saying of Sarah and I being atheists and having space for spirituality, I think that is something we try to cultivate in an appreciation for nature and just the wonderment of being here and how lucky we are to have the life we do and, and teaching Stella to be grateful and having that third relationship in our life, our relationship with spirituality and, and nature, the relationship between Sarah and I, and then uh, with our daughter and then with the environment and our world and, and being grateful. And that's something that I think is important to all relationships, whether you find it in Catholicism, Judaism, or in in nature. And we've talked about it on the show, but being able to connect around something bigger than the relationship and, and just having that gratitude, really, because however you find it. But I, I just think it's from a scientific perspective uh, of knowing that the universe is billions of years old and all of the amazing things that had to happen to get us to to, to evolve to to be here now talking yeah. in a microphone through the internet like is insane and i'm just incredibly grateful because it seems like as far as everything we know there's not there's not another earth out there even though there there likely are other planetary systems supporting life but just that wonderment without Going, you know, into a whole nother uh, episode, certainly uh, around this, but just that is something that Sarah and I talk about and share. And it's like, I imagine the awe that a Catholic might feel as far as in the church and the things that their God does for them. And, and so we form a, an awe around that and have that shared experience. And I think that's, that's something powerful for the relationship. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, even this conversation we're having, right? The three of us are talking about this subject matter, and the conversation is respectful, and it's intriguing and interesting to me, at least. And and I like I like thinking about what you just brought up, because, I mean, to think that ultimately we're all made up of stardust, um, because as the universe has expanded, and everything, it's, it's amazing. There's enough wonder and awe to go around for everybody. And, and we can all partake in that kind of uh, gratitude you were talking about um, that, that really opens the door to a spiritual perspective, not a religious perspective necessarily, but at least a very spiritual perspective where we can be grateful for life and grateful for family and, and, and be so full of gratitude that we don't necessarily need to be in a religion to have any of that. We can have all of that without religion. Exactly. And that's something that we've heard other therapists on the show talk about, uh, of having that thing outside of the relationship that is bigger than the relationship. And, and like I said, maybe that's religion. Maybe that's your mutual love for being outdoors and just around that. And you both are just so into that and talk about it and, and love it and, and find a lot of inspiration in it. And I think for, for some people that, that is religion. And, but even if you are religious, maybe that's getting a little monotonous. So 
so re-sparking your interest in in that with your partner can can be something or you're both religious but you're like there's no novelty in it so to say so you find another thing not in a, not in a sense better or or bigger but just another thing to focus on or to explore as a couple and that can be something that's powerful and, and good for the relationship you know i can say as a religious person i know my wife is different enough from me to know that she does not share my faith and yet as i think think it through she is still every bit as much a gift from god to me as she was when i first met her and I'm grateful to my God, and she's grateful to uh, whatever she believes in. And it doesn't negate the sacredness of our marriage that she doesn't believe as I believe. Both of us find a, a deeper meaning in the fact that we have thrown in with each other, that we have each other's backs, that we're really there for each other in this deep way, even when we think the other person is very, very wrong on their opinion, we can think we can still be so there for them and loving them. And for me, that's that's some pretty deep spirituality that even a lot of religious people struggle to have that. So um, I think it's really about the individual one is one is partnered up with. Do I have enough with this person that religion can become blessedly irrelevant? And and that's where I am. It's it's blessedly irrelevant. I have my religion. It means a great deal to me. But it really doesn't matter when I'm putting on my shoes. And it doesn't matter when I'm driving on a vacation. And it really doesn't matter when it comes to enjoying the company of my wife. Uh, and working our way through this world. So that's kind of where I encourage my clients to go. And most of them, I have to say... If, Really, I, I haven't met a couple yet who cared enough to come in for counseling, who heard those words, and then decided to get a divorce. Because really what we want, I think we religious people especially, but not that you can't have an atheist controller, controlling person, right? But we religious people especially just want permission to be able to love this person and have it be okay. And I hereby officially give everybody permission to love who you love. We love that. And, and that, I think, is a great place to leave this podcast because we could obviously talk for a long time about the meaning of life and how that <laughs> fits into relationships. <laughs> but I think we laid a, a great groundwork. And I like what you're saying, like just that perspective of when you're tying your shoes, like that's not as long as your values align and you can have that open communication, then that shouldn't be something that is a detriment to the relationship as far as having a partner with a different perspective in a lot of ways, in every way, that's actually an asset and something that can be valuable and help your relationship flourish. So Stephen, We'll have to have you back on. We'll maybe figure out the meaning of life. We could tackle that. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of meaning to be found in these conversations in our relationships. And 
that's a good place to start. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, if there's one thing you want to leave them with, and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, sure. You know, they can find this and other podcast links at uh, stephening.com. That's Stephen with a V. And of course, they'll get to see my incredibly handsome face and uh, <laughs> put a face with the voice. And I think uh, I think that's really all that needs to be said. Excellent. Well, we'll have the link to your website on our website on your show notes page at idpodcast.com. Our listeners know to go there to access all the information about you and, and learn more about you. And again, thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Thanks, Sarah. I really appreciate that. You two are a delight. As I get to know you, I find you so interesting and so delightful to talk to. You take care now. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, We are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you are listening to a pleasure podcast For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.